0: book one chapter two section three of the new idealism by mason claire this LibriVox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine book one the critical preparations chapter two the new realism section three the realist theory of relation and knowledge the position of the categories on this scheme is particularly interesting as outside entities independent of consciousness, categories are objects among other objects planted out in the universe. Thus, they will be constitutive of the universe in a very definite and real way, a way that so far from implying that the universe is the work of thought sets thought altogether on one side as a casual looker-on. Casual because it is indifferent to the reality of the universe whether it is looked at or not. Thought is not the builder and the mover. It is the discoverer of reality. Thought moves, so far as it can be said to move at all, always in the path of discovery. It corrects experience by experience, finding complexity in the given simple, simplifying relations in the given complex. It has the power, a power that any critical onlooker might have, of adjusting old experience to new. And though it would seem to have an altogether independent power of selection and rejection its choice is really determined for it by the requirements of the given and external context power is not a word that should be used in this connection thought in the sense of thinking always finds relations and does not make them therefore in no sense can thinking be said to relate like the sensum like the percept each thought category will be a little absolute on its own account. Hitherto we have been dealing with terms of relations only. On the new realist theory every one of these is a hard and fast reality. But the relations themselves have a still more peculiar position. For each relation is also an independent entity external not only to consciousness but to its own terms. That is to say relations are absolute. Where relations are themselves related they do not lose this character because this relation will be external to its terms too and absolute at least this follows from the theory of external relations it is only fair to add that not every realist is committed to it without reservation mr bertrand russell will not allow that any relation is grounded in the nature of its terms because in the case of the whole and part and subject and predicate relations you would get no real neat distinction between the terms nothing but a common mush of unity if that is to say you have got your relation tucked into your terms already concealed in their nature their entering into that relation will make no difference if it is not tucked in if it does make a difference it is an external relation but dr moore is rather more precise he distinguishes between relations and relational properties and admits that while some relations are external in the sense that it makes no difference to the numerical identity he might just as well have said the substance or existence of the term whether it has a relational property in question or not others may be said to be internal in the sense that without some particular relational property the term would not be what it is its nature is not indifferent to the relation i take it that dr moore's subtle distinctions and reservations amount to that thus to the complete individual king edward it is indifferent whether he is the father of george or not and to the father of george whether he is or is not the father of more children but it will not be indifferent to him whether he has or has not certain relational properties characteristics of his personality without which he could not be king edward there is a still more precise sense in which dr moore admits that a relational property, as distinct from a relation, is grounded in the nature of any term which possesses it. Quote, Namely that in the case of every such property, the term in question has some quality without which it could not have had the property. In other words, that the relational property entails some quality in the term, though no quality in the term entails the relational property. End quote the stickler for external relations might reply that you have no business to consider the general nature of the terms outside the particular relation king edward as he exists say outside his fatherhood if his fatherhood is the question within a given relation the relational property may be something added to the terms of the relation and thus remain outside them as much as the relation itself what is to be said then of logical processes of thought's functions the new realist will not allow that thought relates even in its logical functions it does not relate the judgment in each premise is a statement of reality a case of mere reporting all processes of deduction are the unraveling of implications of the given real all processes of induction are discoveries of given reals or of relations that obtain between reals the relation of a conclusion to its premises is an external relation of external conceptual entities, particular or universal. To be is not, as Lotze affirmed, to be in relations. Relation is simply a special example of being, as definite and irreducible as its terms. Thus, new realism begins in atomistic ontology and ends in logical atomism. It will be seen that on any realistic scheme of the relation between knowing and the thing known the role of consciousness and the subject is considerably reduced consciousness as mere knowing or awareness has no content you must no longer talk about states of consciousness consciousness properly talked about has no states it is a pure featureless transparency let down between subject and object and dividing them if it can be said to divide what was never joined and never could be joined all the color and richness and movement and tumult are on the other side no states of consciousness if consciousness can be said to be itself a state of the subject it is a state without quality or identification mark all the identification marks are on the other side to be sure, you can and do distinguish between sensing, perceiving, remembering, imagining, reflecting, judging, reasoning, believing, and opining, but only since consciousness has no content because their objects are different. Of course, we can and do reflect, judge, reason, have beliefs and opinions about one and the same thing, or about one and the same thing in different relations. But whether in any given instance we reflect judge reason or have an opinion or a belief will depend on the character of the thing and its relations of the whole block before consciousness and above all on the sufficiency or insufficiency of our experience at the time there will of course be differences of value in these several acts both as between different subjects and different states of the same subject at different times thus some people judge better and reason better than other people and better at some times than other times but these differences in value can hardly be said to touch the essence of these affairs or to give consciousness a content and even when you have admitted that there is a distinct difference of type between reflecting judging reasoning believing and opining and between the various forms of judgment and reasoning and that they all have some content since they all consist of propositions still in itself this content is featureless and colorless and if you contend that on the contrary propositions have subjects and that these subjects have color and feature still that color and feature are derived from the objects of thinking which are outside thought all the time it is objects making a difference to consciousness not consciousness making a difference to itself once for all whatever it happens to be doing the relation of consciousness to its object is purely to use professor alexander's word a relation of come presence and the essence of the act if it is an act itself is contemplation and it is nothing more and contemplation by itself is very thin only in doubting believing expecting do we seem to catch an authentic gesture of the self an attitude but here our judgment of knowing is in suspension and that suspension is due to the uncertain appearances of the object or the insufficiency of our experience or both and there are willing hoping and fearing desiring and undesiring trusting and distrusting loving and hating there are repugnance and disgust these are all indubitable acts or states of the self but they are not knowings their content their comparative thickness is conferred on them solely by their grip on the world said to be external to consciousness they all have their feeling tone if they are not all pure feelings even willing which is obviously not feeling has its feeling tone and that is a physical affair it belongs palpably to the external world of the body loving at first sight would seem to be a unique affection of the self with a strong objective reference either to the perceived or to the remembered object and for new realists these two are one but even when you have recognized that passion need not be entirely or even mainly sexual there is such a thing as a passion for pure truth yet qua passion it remains very much a matter of physical vibrations and excitements indeed even in its most immaterial manifestations in its purity its devotion its abnegation its transcendence of its own delight its utter selflessness love on any strict realistic theory falls to the world outside consciousness non-conscious reality bags the lot my experience of passion is my calm presence with feeling objects my fulfillment of passion is my calm presence with certain objective events my renunciation of passion is my withdrawal from events of one order in favor of events conceived to be of a higher order on the realist theory both concept and higher event are part of the external and objective world once you have begun drawing the line between consciousness and the objects of consciousness i do not see where you are to stop so that the margin of consciousness and of the self is the narrowest conceivable some realists surrender to it very handsomely, the whole world of art and the aesthetic emotions. But I do not think that a thoroughgoing, consistent realism allows of this concession. The aesthetic emotions are not on a more subjective plane than other emotions. Their plane is, of anything, less so. And strict realism is bound to regard all emotion as objective. The finished product of art, the poem, the picture, the statue, the opera, is eminently objective a real outside thing in a real outside world if anything could make it more objective than other objects it is that character of inevitableness and universality that art has at its highest you can almost think of one art form as more real than another and of the highest art as the most real thing there is you have of course to allow for the work of the artist for his creative will but that is another story we have seen how the new realism deals with creative imagination we have yet to see how the creative will fits into the new realist scheme consciousness then is contentless it neither gives nor receives it is what professor alexander calls a calm presence to quote professor alexander again it contemplates and it enjoys but enjoyment would seem to be only another word for mere awareness it doesn't amount to realization let alone that applied to consciousness realization is a double-edged term very dangerous to realism enough that consciousness has no content it is the only relation that is not immediately an object though it may become one when we think about it in either case it is a pure blank transparency at least this extreme conclusion seems to me to follow from a consistent realism again it is only fair to add that it is not allowed even by so devout a realist as professor whitehead Quote, our perception of natural events and natural objects is a perception within nature and is not an awareness contemplating all nature impartially from without natural knowledge is a knowledge from within nature a knowledge here within nature and now within nature and is an awareness of the natural relations of one element in nature namely the percipient event to the rest of nature the conception of knowledge as passive contemplation is too inadequate to meet the facts nature is ever originating its own development and the sense of action is the direct knowledge of the percipient event as having its very being in the formation of its natural relations. Perception is always at the utmost point of creation. Knowledge then goes on inside nature. It is one of nature's events among others. It is nature apprehending its own events, recognizing its own objects. Quote, objects enter into experience by recognition. And without recognition, experience would divulge no objects. Objects convey the permanences recognised in events and are recognised as self-identical amid different circumstances. End quote. This is not to be interpreted idealistically. The being of the object is not to be recognised, is not to be perceived. Neither recognition nor perception does anything for it or to it. The object is simply a given element, the permanent element in the flux of events neither must we take recognition in a platonic sense it is not anamnesis it is certainly not the mind's recognition of its own content but the object if it is to count as an object must be recognized known again through all its recurrences for what it is by its recurrences its comparative permanence amid the passing of events it lends itself to recognition rather than to apprehension contemplation will thus be a protracted recognition nature recognizing makes a perpetual return upon herself seen from nature's side consciousness enriches the cosmic process of which it is a part but seen from its own side distinguished from objects and events for all the intimacy and warmth of its includedness it remains a blank transparency and realists have every reason for insisting that it must and can be and is so distinguished do away with the distinction and you do away with realism press realism home and nothing is left to consciousness but its calm presence its detached and limited capacity for looking on end of book one chapter two section three recording by expatriate in bangor maine